Welcome to The Positive Sip, stories about life, leadership, and Mississippi. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Hyatt. This episode, you'll hear a special Mississippi story and my reflections on leadership. So let's begin. Welcome to Mississippi Stories. I'm so excited to introduce to you Jojo Dodd, former Mississippi State student, student leader, and all-around awesome guy. Jojo, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so excited to share your Mississippi story on The Positive Sip. So Jojo, Picayune, Mississippi is your hometown. Tell us what you love best about Picayune and growing up there. Yeah. So first, thanks for having me. This is exciting. I'm uh, pumped to be here. I think what you're doing with this podcast, the the, the goal of it is really something that's uh, a space that needs to be filled more often with positive stories about our state and our people. So um, happy that you're doing this. So Picayune, I think, is kind of a quintessential Mississippi town. It has some 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 good things and some bad things, but the good far outweigh the bad. In Picayune, we're about 30 minutes from New Orleans and pretty close to the coast as well. And so you've got kind of all these cultures coming together. So Picayune as a city had a lot of Louisiana influence, a lot of Cajun influence, and then, of course, Mississippi as well. I remember growing up there how supportive the community was of its own. And so any idea that I had or kind of uh, venture I wanted to pursue, you always found people, adults, who were interested in investing in a kid who wanted to, to do something. I remember particularly there was a, a sales tax that was trying to be put through at the county level. And I was like 18 and I was kind of getting into economics and interested in politics. And they published in the newspaper that no one was opposing the sales tax. And I thought that was kind of silly. I knew plenty of folks who opposed the sales tax. And so I decided I'm going to go speak to the board of supervisors and tell them why this is a bad idea. And so as an 18-year-old, you know, I got on the agenda for the Board of Supervisors, and I remember thinking that I might sound kind of silly being so young and talking about something that seemed like an adult problem. But I got up there, and I ended up debating the, the county board publicly in the kind of this open forum about economics. And then the paper covered it, and I remember just getting so much support from the community reaching out to me and saying, thank you so much. This is, this is great. And we should do this kind of events. Ended up doing this like town hall budget event that we organized. And we had all the supervisors there and a lot of folks from the town came and ended up not getting the sales tax didn't get passed. And although some of the board supervisors didn't like me very much, I don't think a lot of people in the town, I remember this, how cool it was that they were so supportive of a young person trying to get involved in politics and, trying to find their way through an issue like taxes. And that's just been repeated over and over again, doing like concerts and stuff like that. We did some Christian music concerts in high school and different businesses would sponsor. And, you know, Picayune is a modest town. Um, I think few people in Picayune have a ton of money, but everyone is so willing to give what they can and support in ways that they can kind of the, the young people in their town. I haven't been an older person in Picayune. Since high school, I moved away and been in college. I've been in college since I moved away, basically. But I can tell you, as, a, as someone growing up there, I can't think of a more supportive place to kind of figure out 
what life is for you and who you are. Thanks for sharing that story, Jojo. I think it's a really important platform for how you demonstrated your leadership in college. You learned that and demonstrated it when you were a kid in Picayune. And as an undergraduate student here at Mississippi State, you, of course, took on a lot of leadership roles. And that culminated in your being elected student body president. So what do you think about leadership? What is it that you believe about leadership? That's a good question. I think my view of leadership has been kind of shaped by being led. And I think that sometimes leadership is viewed as, you know, the ends are all that's important, meaning that it only matters what you get accomplished or kind of the successes you have. But I think that misses a huge part of the value of good leaders, which is the investment in those that they're leading, and that the people who are being led aren't just tools to accomplish goals, but rather are ends in of themselves. And that if, you know, if you're leading a group of people and you have a, a common goal, I think even if you don't accomplish the goal in the way you set out to, if all the people who are kind of taking part together are made better by the process and by the experience. I think that is in itself a success. I do think that finding success and meeting your goals as you're trying to accomplish as a group is important and it's worth kind of reassessing why you don't if you don't. But for me, what's been most important in, uh, as I've taken on the roles of leadership is making sure that those people who either have entrusted me to lead them or who have been put in a place where they're having to kind of follow the leadership of, of, of me and others that they are satisfied in the role they're playing and they're being challenged and being invested in and that they have a sense of purpose in their role as well. I agree with that, Jojo. And and one of the projects that you worked on when you were student body president was an effort to make a change in our state flag. And while that didn't get realized during your term of office, this summer you worked with your fellow student body presidents to lobby our elected officials in Jackson to make a change to our state flag. So why did you get reinvolved with that effort and, and what did it mean to you to be part of that historic change? Yeah, well, I was, uh, first of all, very excited that it has worked out the way that it has and it finally has come to fruition and many, I mean, thousands of people over time in Mississippi, particularly in the last kind of in this century, I really put a lot of work into changing the flag. And I think standby presidents have played a role, a small role, but definitely a role in that. I think that standby presidents uniquely are given this platform to speak on behalf of these institutions that mean so much to the state, but your platform only lasts for so long. No one really cares what Jojo Dodd has to say as, as an individual across the state, but they do care what Jojo Dodd as the Mississippi State representative has to say. And so that time you have to use that platform is, is finite. And when you graduate and when you leave office, you know, it isn't as powerful a voice. And so while you're in office, it was important to us to try to use it to better our state and kind of cast a vision for a future that we could be proud of. And uh, we did that. And then getting reinvolved was it was a chance that we saw uh, some of the folks that I gotten to know over my years at other institutions, a chance for us to kind of reuse the platform that we once had for good. I think it's a rare opportunity that you have to kind of rekindle that voice. And we thought that combining them 
from you know dozens and dozens of former student body presidents might have some impact. And even if it didn't, it would at least be a show of solidarity with the current student leadership and the athletes at Mississippi State and Ole Miss and other places that were coming out and speaking out. We just wanted to be a part of kind of using the voice, whatever we had left, to effect, try to affect for positive change. And I don't think credit probably belongs to any one group or individual for the state flag. I think you have a history in a state of slowly working toward progress. You know, we're not known for being very fast at changing. And I think there are some good things about that. But I think with the state flag, you just saw that the perseverance in the spirit of the state and the pressure being applied for so long and finally finding success. Excellent. Jojo, you had a great career at Mississippi State and decided that you wanted to go to medical school. And so you're doing that now at the University of Mississippi Medical School. And as a med student, your leadership has continued and you've gotten really involved with the Jackson Free Clinic. What does that clinic do and and how did you get involved with working there and why is that work important to you? Yeah, so I got into medicine kind of backwards. I wanted to be a comedy writer, so I quit school for a while and moved around L.A. and then came back Mississippi and did college with medicine not on the radar. I wanted to be in the military. And so I took an EMT class to kind of make my military application a little better for officer candidate school. And then it was on the rotations of the EMT class at the end, you're required to do some ambulance rotations and ER rotations. And I fell in love on the ambulance with the work and the way that you connect with people. I remember specifically just kind of northeast of Starkville, there was a car accident and uh, this car rolled over this uh, a couple were thrown from their car. And I remember I was a student, still EMT student. And so I had no real role other than just to be there and observe and support how I could. And so this, this woman was in the median and she had been really, really beat up and had some serious injuries and she was scared. And I just I held her hand and talked to her as the paramedics and EMTs did their work. And I helped them when I could. And we put her on a, on a helicopter there on, on the road and flew her off. And on the way back to the hospital on the ambulance, I'm just sitting there in the back alone. And I remember, I'm just thinking about how that interaction was unlike anything I've ever done before, that this was a woman who was a different race than me, and our differences never crossed my mind. Was she a good mom? I don't know. It never crossed my mind. You know, the, her worthiness of our help never once crossed my mind, and the, in the same way, she never thought about my grades in the EMT class. She never wondered if I was a good brother or son. She never wondered about my, my past. All we cared about in that moment was that we were both present and we were both willing to take part. She wanted to care. I wanted to give care. And that was all that mattered. And that kind of genuine, authentic human interaction and connection, is, I think, is so rare, especially in a culture where we try to put up the best versions of ourselves. And in those moments, there's no room for that. And that's what drew me to medicine. And in medical school, you don't get a ton of that uh, early on. And so you try to find ways to, you know, you're in med school to make the world better for people and to impact lives in certain ways that are important to you. But in medical school, it's always looking forward to the future. Like I'm training today to help someone down the road. And so I was eager to find ways to help people today and use the skills such as they are that I have now to make someone's life better and day better 
And so the, the free clinic was a way for medical students to take part in that uh, even during school. And so we serve the uninsured with free medical care, free dental care, physical therapy, occupational therapy, stuff like that. It's all free for anyone uninsured. And so we see people from across the state. Last year, we saw people from like 89 different cities across Mississippi. They'll drive for hours to come get dental care and medical care. And it is, it's a mission that is important to me because the state's important to me. I think our state, even in my time here, my 28 years, has grown so much and has improved so much economically and otherwise. But you see these kind of large pockets of communities that are left behind by that change that uh, have not received the same benefits as other communities. And the Jackson Free Clinic is working to make that uh, more equitable and to um, level the playing field, at least in the healthcare setting. And we've seen, even in my experience at the Jackson Free Clinic, how much of an impact someone's health has on their the outlook of their life, how optimistic they are about life, if they can work or not. And so to be able to kind of affect change, even during school, I don't have quite the credentials that you need to really uh, you know, go out on your own. For me, it's been super exciting. Jojo, thank you for your work with the free clinic and just super proud of your efforts there and of your fellow medical students that are supporting the uninsured Mississippians who are able to receive care there. You talked a little bit about this already, about what keeps you encouraged and motivated to pursue your dreams and to help others. Would you have some other thoughts on that? Yeah. So in medical school, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I taught high school before medical school, uh, between Mississippi state and med school. I taught high school and I loved it. I loved teaching because every night you would go home or I'd go home. I would think about what the next day I was going to do for those students. Like, okay, today I talked about photosynthesis and, you know, Jamie did not get that. She really did not seem like she uh, was uh, connected with that. So what can I do better? How can I approach this differently in a way that would speak to her and better communicate the idea of whatever you're teaching? And that engaging with yourself to how to better serve somebody else, for me, is tremendously satisfying. It gets you through the tough times because you feel like what you're doing is bigger than yourself. And Coming into medical school, the culture is one of like, it's all about you. You find time to study. You tell your family to call you when you can call them. You know, it's all like they they kind of encourage you to build these bubbles around yourself to like find success for yourself by, you know, kind of being defensive of your time and all these things, which are, it's good and important lessons. But the focus is, is on you in medical school. It's very easy for that to be the case. And for me, that's not very satisfying. And so the first semester of med school, I wasn't sad, but I was feeling unkind of fulfilled. Studying only gets me so far. And so for me, I have to find ways to leverage whatever skills I'm developing or growing in a way that actually is meaningful for someone other than just me. I'm not motivated a, a tremendous amount by money or by about like accumulating things. For me, it's about accumulating experiences and stories that are bigger than just me. And that isn't, it isn't even just like a, you know, a nice thing to say. I've just found that for me, I'm not happy unless the things that I'm doing uh, matter to other people and, you know, not just myself. Thank you, Jojo. 
So I've had a chance over the time that we spent together when you were a student here to hear some of your favorite quotes. I'd love if you'd share with our positive SIP listeners what your favorite quote is and why it resonates for you. So I've got, I've got several. And I think for me, I struggle to separate the, the quote from the author. And so if I like the author, I like the quote sometimes a lot more than maybe even the quote itself. But uh, so Teddy Roosevelt is a, a figure that I really admire for his work as a conservationist and president, but also he's just an interesting fellow. Lots of good stories about Teddy Roosevelt. But he, he gave the speech in Paris in uh, 19, 1910, and it's famous now. It's called the Man in the Arena speech, but it was the Citizenship in the Republic speech and he gives this line that he says it's not the critic who counts it's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better but the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena i love that because for me it's encouraging when you're doing something worthwhile and something of real value you're you probably are going to have people who disagree with you and you're probably going to have people who criticize you. If everyone agrees on it, then it probably would already be done. So if you're doing real work that's really meaningful, I think you're, it's inevitable you're going to have people who disagree with either the tactics or even the, sometimes the ends. And so for me, it was, it's encouraging that the credit belongs to those who are actually in the arena, the ones doing the real work, the ones who have something in the game. Those are the folks who it really matters. And I think for me, I take it two ways. First of all, that... Those people who are also in the arena with you, when they do criticize you and they do give you feedback, it's probably worth listening to, even if you disagree with it. It's worth taking that to heart and at least kind of examining it rather than just writing off someone who disagrees with you. But also, it's a reminder that uh, it's easy to be critical of those who are doing the work. And even in my life, when you are at school or in your community and you're impacted by the decisions of others, Sometimes it's okay to just take a pause and think about things from their perspective. As you know, they're the ones in the arena. They're the ones doing that work. They're the ones kind of engaging with it on a daily basis. And sometimes we're not. And so, rather than just being impulsively critical of others who are doing things, to give them the benefit of the doubt, or at least to kind of explore it further before really kind of making your judgment as to the quality of their choices. Jojo, thank you so much for sharing your Mississippi story with us today. And thank you for being in the arena, both as a student leader and now as a medical student. And I know when you graduate, you will continue to be a person who's willing to do the work, who's willing to help make positive change in whatever communities that you reside in. I'm so appreciative that our paths had an opportunity to cross while you were here at Mississippi State. I look forward to seeing where your career takes you and all of the positive things that I know you will be doing. Jojo, thank you so much. Thank you so much. In today's reflection on leadership, I wanted to revisit our conversation with Jojo. He shared a quote that talked about this idea of the man in the arena. And essentially, to summarize that quote, it's the idea that in order to be effective in leadership, that you actually have to be in the work, that you actually have to be part of 
the organization, part of the process, part of the group who is trying to make change in order to be effective. I think this is a very relevant time to have a conversation about being in the arena. In today's social media environment, it's very, very easy to be outside of the arena and to use social media platforms to be critical of others and of other leaders, et cetera, organizations and so forth, but without a great deal of knowledge of the actual work that's taking place within those organizations or entities or without honestly knowledge about that person or that person's life or what they've been through that led them to make the decisions that they made. I don't have any great advice here except to say I hope that we can all try to make good decisions about when we are offering criticism. Hopefully it can be constructive in some way. Hopefully we can try to offer it from the perspective of of creating solutions and not simply pointing out problems but instead focused on how we might contribute, how we might be in the arena when issues come up or ideas are being presented. I do think there is probably a legitimate space for people to be outside of the arena and have opportunity to to throw criticism, et cetera. But I don't think that we generally see that in a way that is super helpful or super positive. And so my challenge to the folks who might be listening to this podcast and and just in general, especially as we think about perhaps our social media presence or just about how we interact with others is to recognize that we may not have all of the information that might be needed in order to lob a particular criticism or a particular complaint about something. But instead, maybe we could spend our time trying to learn about how these decisions were made and what contributed to them and then work to create equitable, fair and just solutions so that they benefit everyone. So get in the arena. That's my advice for all of us is to get into the arena Be willing to do the work, be willing to do the hard work, be willing to investigate, be willing to challenge, but do that from a place of constructive criticism, a place of wanting to create positive change and a place of care and concern versus a place of um, criticism that's maybe unwarranted or, or maybe just unkind. I think we all in 2021 can use an opportunity to spread a little bit more kindness and we can do that from inside the arena. We don't have to be just simply looking on in order to make significant and important improvements in our lives and the lives of others. Thank you for joining us on The Positive Sip. We hope you'll be listening again for our next episode. The Positive Sip is produced and edited by Flora Dito. Carson Brantley, and Katie Corbett.